What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things the challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hallaball. Thank you so very much for being here with me today. On today's podcast, we've got a big one. The rewatch series rolls on. After a brief break, we're diving back into our challenge series rewatch, heading into season 16, The Island, and I've got my good friend Paige from Most Likely To here to break it all down with me. So that is the focus of today's pod. That is what we are here to do. We will get to that conversation here in just one moment. Before we do a couple quick programming reminders, Last Friday, we dropped our first ever cast member interview. If you have not checked out our chat with the legend, the OG, Dan Setzler, two-time challenge champion, go on, go back, check that out. Audio version available on all podcast platforms, also available on YouTube as well. Absolute great time chopping it up with the two-time champ, with the legend, Dan Setzler. So that was amazing. Thank you so much to him. If you have listened already, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have not, it's definitely one you don't want to miss. Then coming up on this very program, we will have this Wednesday... Our final time talking about the Challenge USA, our full season recap, rewards, awards, recap, awards, rewards, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Full season recap, finally put a bow on that season and end it. That'll be Wednesday morning because then Wednesday night is the beginning of the Challenge documentary. It's also the night that Survivor premieres. A lot going on that night. We'll be back then on Friday. We're going to release on Friday the breakdown of episode one of the Challenge documentary. And then on Saturday, I will be on Most Likely 2 with Paige, my guest here today. I will be with her all season long for this season. Season to Survivor, recapping Survivor over on her podcast feed, most likely too. So make sure you're following that. And then finally, because we did get very, very exciting news over the last couple of days, the season eight, 38 cast, the trailer, all of that was released. We know that it will be starting here in a few short weeks, coming right off the end of the three weeks of the challenge documentary. We'll go right into on October 12th, I believe it was. The Challenge Season 38, which means two Wednesdays from now, we will do our full season preview podcast, which will give you two weeks then between that preview podcast and the season actually starting to get ready. So go check out Dan Setzler's interview from last week. This week, you've got this pod, Challenge USA Season Recap, Challenge Documentary coming on Friday, Survivor Premiere Recap on Most Likely Two's feed on Saturday, and then the following week, we will dive into the full Season 38 preview. We will have the next rewatch. We will have our first Hall of Fame entry and all kinds of stuff. So three-plus podcasts coming your way for the foreseeable future. Going to be great. Make sure you hit that follow, subscribe button, and then... Get ready, because we are about to dive in. Let's welcome Paige into the podcast, and let's dive into our rewatch and recap of Season 16, The Island. All right, challenge lovers, we are here today to continue on with our challenge rewatch series. We've previously done Seasons 1 through 15. We took a little break, catch our breath, and now we're diving back in, which if my math is correct, means that today's podcast is all about season 16, a.k.a. The Island, a season with 
a lot worth talking about, yet very little worth actually remembering. But now as we begin this next batch of rewatch rewatch podcast, I decided that doing these solo was no longer going to cut it. So I've begun enlisting help from other challenge experts. Come on and break down the show's history along with me. And today I've got a very special guest with me. She is someone who is near and dear to all us challenge historians hearts as she was our very first ever guest on this podcast back at the start of challenge USA that now woe begotten season with that ending. And now today she becomes the first ever two-time guest on this podcast, continues making history. She is the queen of challenge TikTok, the host of most likely two, and very well may be the hardest working and busiest woman in the reality TV space, if not just anywhere in the world. So it means a ton that she is joining us on this early Sunday morning. Paige, welcome back to the podcast. That was such a good intro. Thanks for having me back. I You make me feel so special every time we do stuff together, and I'm stoked about it. Well, that's because you are so special, first. And second, because I mentioned, I, I do not say it lightly that you're the busiest woman in this entire industry in space. I got to know, how have, have you just gone to a 24-7 live stream, Big Brother style, to cover every TV show oh. in existence? Or how, how are you handling this onslaught? of reality television as we exit one challenge season with another documentary and season on the way big brother still going survivor start an amazing race the kardashians i totally forgot the card are you are you really covering the kardashians now too yeah that's embarrassing though but a lot of people <laughs> wanted us so dylan and i dylan, <laughs> well dylan from the chilling with dylan podcast and i our friends, we do a lot of stuff together and people really wanted us to do the kardashians so we said okay but to be honest, I'm just kind of taking everything day by day and I haven't started drowning yet. So I think I'll be okay. I'm lucky because I get pre-screeners to a couple of the shows. So I get a little bit lucky with some things, but you know, we're going to make it work. Reality TV is my, is my part of my Hannah Montana life. So I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm here for it. And you're going to do survivor recaps with me. So that's the best part of it. Yeah. And I thought we were gonna, I mean, I knew we were already going to have the challenge documentary inexplicably airing at the exact same time as survivor. And I thought that was bad enough, but then they're rolling right into the challenge 38 right after also airing at the exact same time as survivor, which has been a thing for many years now, but you would have thought maybe now that the challenge also has a CBS version and that they're all a little more so than they used to be under one parent company that maybe just maybe they would try to space some of this stuff out, but no, it's just Wednesday nights, a lot, a lot to watch on Wednesdays. So someone was it's really mean to me on TikTok because I was like, oh, it's on Wednesdays, which is such bullshit. And he was like, if you were a real challenge fan, you would know it's always been on Wednesdays since the beginning. I was like, that is not accurate, but thanks for yelling at me. <laughs> yeah, it, not accurate. Maybe recent history, yes, but that's still beside the point of it. it's at the same time as the other, as the biggest show in the space. I'm, I'm, you know, always one who says the challenge is, is my baby, is the best, is the one I love the most, but like, we don't got to act like Survivor isn't the biggest, you know, the biggest player in this space. It's kind of on its own pedestal. So when it's the same company behind, you're, you know, putting out both of those shows, you would think at some point maybe you just go for like, what's wrong with Thursday nights, MTV? Like, 
You just got to shuffle around your ridiculousness rewatch schedule because that's the only other thing that's on MTV anyways. Is it that is it that big of a deal to just throw the challenge on a different night? But Right. We, and I know yeah. they can't do it on Thursdays because of Jersey Shore, but like I'll even oh, take yeah. a Sunday. Like I'll take a Sunday challenge night. Yeah, uh, anything. I mean, or at least get it, the MTV version, get it up on Paramount Plus the next day so that maybe some people could catch up a little a little easier those of us who aren't as fortunate to have screeners which we got to talk about off air how to how to get into that world because those certainly help but not still with the amount you're doing can't be i mean there's nothing that can help that much still amazing what you're putting <laughs> out there so let's get into it things are going to be a little bit different for listeners that have been following along on this rewatch journey a little different now with two of us versus just me talking endlessly about whatever it is from the season that catches my eye but more or less it is going to be essentially kind of the same or follow a similar structure we're going to cover pretty much all the usual categories that i've been doing for these rewatches start with some kind of high level where the challenge was get into the biggest storylines from this season one by one and then of course because i can't help myself a handful of awards at the end because i'm just i'm just obnoxious about handing out lots and lots of awards and now that we've done all these awards for 15 seasons it would feel wrong to just you know eliminate any of them now although this season comes a few of them we can't do there's no daily challenges and things like that so that's what we're going to do let's just dive right on in we're going to start high level we're talking about the island season 16 and let's start with this the show is very much in a transition era at this point the last couple seasons i've started kind of alluding to a lot of what we're about to talk about with this season but the show is in this transition that doubles as kind of the darkest period of the show as well from just how people are treated on the show or treating each other on the show we're coming off back-to-back trilogy season so we've just wrapped up you know inferno trilogy a gauntlet trilogy we're kind of in search of a new format for the show a lot of the ogs that built the show are gone the veronica's marks timmy coral miz people like that that kind of usually held everyone in line or kind of have that gravitas they're gone we're also now a full year removed from the last road rule season which really we're three years removed from the actual last road rule season with like a full road rules cast so the show only has real world to grab from and making matters worse the most recent season at this time in 2008 real world season is hollywood which is arguably the first ever real world season to like totally flop and totally be like like no cast members really come from that it's an interesting season i remember Listen, there will it. be no kimberly slander though kimberly is one of my favorite challengers ever i forgot i forgot that i always for some reason think she's from sydney just because her first season on her and dunbar like get together and so i have a little like dunbar kelly and kimberly like they were from the same season right i forget she is the one yeah yes. uh the one hollywood Brittany, Brittany one, a, of the best one in dunners she's from real world hollywood yeah. Brittany from duel two yes i did not okay i take it all back i appreciate you correcting the record the book season. here the season fucking sucks, but there were a couple good, I shouldn't say good. There were a couple challengers I liked at least. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if well, Brittany is amazing. I, I can't believe I didn't know that's what the show she was from. Yeah, she is literally one of the best one and dones ever. And one of the one of the people that, I mean, there's a lot of like, how do these people not get called back or do a second season? She's high up on that list. So 
the challenge though, it's, you know, it's transitioning. It's lost a lot of these old people. It's only got the one feeder system. If that feeder system doesn't provide a lot of new talent that, you know, causes problems. So with all that, the challenge is in a very weird place. And in that weird place, they decide that their best move is to try and copy Survivor, do their own version of Survivor. Paige, let's start with this. Was this a good idea by the challenge producers if we try to remove you know, what actually happens on the season, which we're obviously going to talk about all of it, but if we try to remove the result and just look at the decision to copy the most popular show in the space, good idea or bad idea? I think it's a good idea. I think a lot of uh, challenge themes... Sorry, I think a lot of challenge themes are good ideas, but horrible execution. Yes, that could be. I know they just put out or putting out a challenge book, but if there was a like behind the scenes, like tell all the story of the challenge, you could easily call it a great idea, bad execution. That's that could be the the title of you know, half of the seasons of the show. We'll we'll touch on later the specific aspects of this, but it's pretty it's pretty interesting as someone who's like you know always wants to remind people the challenge was first the challenge was before survivor like it was two years before survivor and big brother and everything else it's pretty interesting that we got a decade into the challenges run and about seven eight years into survivors run and even the challenge had to like kind of come around and admit like oh yeah that other show is like really really popular we should probably try that format one time which it I agree with you. It was it's a it was a good idea, and I I think they should have tried it. And the execution, just obviously, as we're going to talk about, was horrible. But it is it does say a lot about the show that that they were just willing to be like, I guess we just try what they're doing. Like let's just do what they're doing. For sure, it was weird, but I mean, I liked it in theory. Yeah. So the show coming into this had been kind of falling down a, a slippery slope of sorts of really gross gender dynamics for a couple seasons running. Not that some of that hadn't literally always been there in the history of the show, but certainly the Inferno three, the gauntlet three things really took a turn for worse. And we're kind of going down a very slippery slope. And this season feels like when those dynamics hit rock bottom and then maybe stayed there for a few seasons. We'll obviously talk here shortly about the specifics of what went down on this season, the Island. But first I want to talk a little more high level about how the show got here. Where do you think if, if any, if you can even pinpoint a specific time or season or even moment, where do you think the show initially started kind of going downhill on this front? Or was it just something that was always baked into the fabric of the show and just started really popping its horrible head up more in these recent seasons. I mean, I'll be honest, it's always been in society. So therefore it's always been about to come. Absolutely. But I think the Inferno is really when it started. The first Inferno? Yeah, the very first Inferno. Like CT's first season is when it started, in my opinion. And when it started being accepted, uh, that's also when they started casting like hot people on TV too. So like <laughs> hot people can get away with a lot. You know what I mean? Like we talk mm. about the first seasons of the real world and the main goal wasn't, are they super hot? Right. The main goal is, are they super interesting? And then you get into later seasons and it's both. So when hot people are on TV, their actions get excused more than not hot people. And so I think the Inferno is when things started changing. 
I can see that. And that I'm trying to remember, I mean, CT was one of the, the originators of a big, a big part of like how it became, I like that you point out that like, yeah, it's baked into society. So this, the show is obviously a, a reflection of that to some degree, but like baked into the actual like formats of the game. One of the biggest issues was that like, there was no incentive structure for the way the actual game worked for like the guys to care about the girls or vice versa. And CT was kind of one of the originators of like, it's a women's day. Like, why the hell do we care? Like better, we're better off if they get sent home. And that's, that's really that exact thing is kind of what drives, especially Inferno three and gauntlet three is where that becomes like a full blown, like that's just how it is the entire season. And that leads to like the entire dynamic of the house being basically battle of the sexes, which it's kind of crazy that they did two seasons called battle of the sexes. And those seasons had the least amount of like, tension or problems between between the gender dynamics in the show and that it's the other seasons that actually became the literal battle of the sexes within the teams and led to some really horrible stuff and as much as it's you know individual cast members doing and saying the horrible things as we've been saying here it really is kind of aided by and even encouraged by productions with those formats and everything like that you can't you know, control the personalities at play or how people will handle situations other than I guess you could control who you're casting. But once they're there, what they're going to do, that is, you know, the people's, the people, the cast members doing it, their fault, their responsibility. But you can control how the game works and the incentives work. And as we've just been saying, there's a way to make the men and the women rely on each other instead of not need each other. What do you think of the like just the general formats of them do you think there's tweaks to the games that could have been different during these this stretch of seasons of these infernos and gauntlets that could have made for less of this seeping into it yeah i mean the fact that it's real world versus road rules that it's two teams instead of pairs it's a team vote instead of a pair vote or an individual vote like all of those things because when you have the biggest strongest guy in the house saying fuck the girls doesn't matter what we do like of course that's what you're gonna go with you know and at that time the biggest personalities in the challenge were like CT, The Miz, Darrell, Abram, like you don't really say no to them really. And then Veronica was always good with those boys too. So I don't think anything necessarily needed to change because it kind of made the show what it was. But I think the way that voting was is probably the main reason for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And it feels like the show figured this out slightly, but then didn't doesn't realize when they have it figured out because there's a reason that all the seasons where it's guy girl pairs are like pretty much all the best seasons and work the best because it like act it removes essentially removes all of this or for instance like rivals two works really well even though it's like a guy's game and a girl's game at the same time but it's the women vote on all of the things for the men's game and the men vote on all the things for the women's game so they actually like have to they have to butter each other up they have to be really nice to each other whether they want to or not and it feels like the show figured it out but then they like continually go away from it i would be all for like you could keep changing the format or calling it different things but every season should just be male female partners it works it works so much better or if it is going to be split have 
the one side vote on the other and vice versa just to just to make it make it work feels like they solved it and then they continually like don't realize that like hey we solved it for those seasons or at least solved that part of it we obviously didn't solve the personality part and the who we're bringing on these shows and how we handle when they act really really gross but that's for that's for a different different season podcast to delve into that side of it the final thing on that you mentioned like with some of the names you mentioned the personalities the the interesting thing on on the guys side of it is that it seemed like all of the people that had stature or gravitas in the house either were the ones kind of perpetuating this and being loud and obnoxious like a ct or the others that could have maybe done something about it were a little more soft-spoken like a Durrell like I feel like you know he's a great example of like he had that kind of stature in the house but he was also like I'm kind of here just to play this game and win money I'm not like really getting involved with a whole lot of stuff going down and that could have maybe changed some things if if depending if who would have kind of rose to that stature but then on the women's side i'll mention it here and then we're going to talk about it again later with a specific thing from this season but i think the reason it kind of ballooned and got out of control on the inferno three and gauntlet three versus the seasons before when it certainly was there and trying to kind of break out was the fact that there was a coral or a tina or even a Katie that was there who would immediately, whether they could actually do something about it within the the rules of the game, they for sure were going to say something about it and they were going to make it known and make it the storyline that these guys are being pieces of shit for this reason, this reason, and this reason, like we're not going to just let this slide. And especially Coral is the one who stands out to me is like, she had the respect of the guys in the house and also is just is just she's just coral so like if she you don't want to get in a verbal argument with her like if you do say something stupid like she's the only she's to this day one of the only people to stand up to ct and like go word for word on i believe it's the inferno three is yeah her last season where like ct's just outside smoking a cigarette and she's just like hey no, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about this. This is bullshit. Like, I don't like what you said. I don't know like what you're doing. This is bullshit. And does it, you know, affect the game? No, but it certainly affects that like we're getting an accurate depiction and we're actually like confronting and talking about these things. And so I think as a lot of those women that had both the willingness and the ability, you know, to stand up and say it and make sure that like let's let's get this all on camera for what it really is and make sure that this is you know depicted the right way as they move out in this new this new era of stars move in the it without those people it kind of just goes from like a bad situation to like holy shit now this is like front and center kind of the only thing you can see when you watch these seasons for a for a couple in a row yeah for sure i miss when they smoked cigarettes well, some of them still do. I think they I wish, show it way less. I wish we still got to see it. Yeah, I think it's MTV was, you know, the one of the first big ones to be like every ad for a couple of years there was like the don't smoke campaigns. And so I think they probably are conflicted over like we were one of the ones that led like drops in teenage smoking. We can't be the ones that are like showing them smoke because I know there's a handful of current cast members who are definitely like, I mean, Devin's the only one we ever get to see 
Cause I think in the last few seasons, he's smoking so often that they're like, you're kind of the main, the main storyline here. We, we don't have anything to footage to show you not smoking. So we've gotten a couple great moments and famously what's eight times nine fight, which is one of my all time favorite smoking moments on the history of the show. But you're right. It was always all the best conversations always happen when they'd stand outside smoking a cigarette, calm people down all the time. It just, it led to a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I, uh, my favorite smoking moment is Katie on the treadmill smoking a cigarette <laughs> during her elimination with Julie. Absolutely iconic. <laughs> yeah. If I could get a challenge tattoo, it would be that scene. That, that whole elimination is just so wonderful and makes yeah. me so happy because Katie makes me so happy on this show. Sure. And that was definitely one of her most triumphant of moments. So, all right, let's, before we dive into specific ugliness of this season and some other specific storylines and stuff. We're not just going to talk about the depressing stuff, but we do have to, it's good to talk about where we're at coming in with it. And then we are going to kind of start the storylines off with just addressing head on how gross some things and certain people are on this season. But let's, let me quickly set the table with the high level basics, just of the game and of the season we're watching. Then we'll dive into the storylines. So we're at season 16. It's the Island TJ Lavin, of course, here hosting his fifth straight season and what would become the permanent hosting gig. It airs September to November of 2008, which is a much shorter window because they have changed for the first time ever to eight, one hour episodes instead of 16, 30 minute episodes. And we've got a cast of 20 people, which Paige, you'll have to suffer through. I always read the entire cast, especially because a few of them end up not even getting mentioned otherwise on the podcast. So the 20 people on this season are Derek Kaczynski, Evelyn, Johnny Bananas, Kenny, Jen, Paula, Robin, Ryan, Dunbar from Real World Sydney, Johanna, Kellyanne from Real World Sydney, Dan from Viewer's Revenge, Kali, Kahuta from Real World Sydney, Tyree, Ashley from Real World Sydney, Rachel, Abram, Dave from Real World Hollywood, and Tanya. So we've got about five or six rookies there. The ones that I mentioned their season are the rookies joining us. Otherwise, about 15 vets coming back into the game. And these 20 cast members are dropped off on an island. They think they're going to a party house. They are not. TJ lets them know, not going to be the glamorous life here. They are living in glorified tree houses on the beach. There are no daily challenges. Instead, every few days, a supply drop comes with some food, some pieces of two boats that they're going to have to build by the end of the competition. Along with the supply drops comes a face-off round, otherwise known as an elimination, where there are three people who can either volunteer or get voted into these face-offs, played like elimination games, one-on-one-on-one. The winner of that face-off returns to the game, gets a key, which you have to have to get on the boat at the end. The losing two have to plead their case to the rest of the cast why they should stay. They have a vote. One of those two people gets sent home. The other gets to remain in the game and gets a key as well. Eventually, there's only eight keys in total, so eventually you have to start stealing keys from other people. And at the end of the game, when the last pieces of the boats arrive to the beach, the eight people with keys split into two groups of four, build the boats, and it's the first to sail it to the island offshore that wins the challenge and wins the grand prize. So that is the basics of the season we're talking about here. And the first big storyline to just confront head-on is that People on this season, mainly Johnny Bananas, act really, really horrible to each other in 
before we go into specifics of Johnny and and others, but mostly Johnny of what they're doing on this. Any initial thoughts or like holistic thoughts on kind of the ugliness that is this season? Oh, I just wish it wasn't. I just wish it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I always wonder too, like who else was supposed to be on the island because I feel like it could have been so much worse. That's the worst part of it is that I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, they called Wes. They had to have called Wes. There's no way they're not going to have Wes, Johanna, and Kenny on a thing. And Wes probably said no. Imagine if he was on it, like stuff like that. So it's ugly and gross, but it doesn't Wes being on it make it better? I think it just would have been he, him versus like Kenny and Johnny. Listen, better for us bad for society <laughs> i don't think and that was like wes's like stage where he was talking to women like shit too so i think it yeah. would have been so much worse but i mean it's all i mean they know what they were doing with a lot of that stuff so good on the, good on the challenge producers and casting for getting some of those people together yeah i think it's it's the clear the first example of where they do like, obviously I talk about ad nauseum, how there's this line in reality TV and the entire goal of production is to like get as close to that line without crossing it as possible. And they are purposely like trying to put volatile mixes of people so that they can get the drama and everything. And this is the first season where I would hope at least those behind the camera had to be like, ah, shit. Like we, we knew that this was kind of the, the dynamic that would become of this house, but we didn't think it would like be this. We didn't think we would have so many instances of people being called stupid bitches or the R word just repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And that's like all we have on film. So I would hope they they maybe like realized in the moment that like it went too far. We talked earlier about, you know, the format of the previous seasons had encouraged a male-female divide. This format goes beyond encouraging it is essentially like pleading for this season to just be battle of the sexes three and making you know there's no rules about who goes into face-offs how the keys are divided up who's on boats at the end of the thing do you think if they just would have as much as we just said how previously making you know splitting the game into female half male half isn't a perfect solution it hasn't worked in the past do you think on this particular season if it just would have been like these face-offs are guys' days. These face-offs are girls' days. There's an equal number of keys. There's, you know, two men, two women on each boat at the end that a lot of this shit could have been avoided because this format truly does encourage, like, hey, Johnny and Kenny, if you want to just act, if you want to totally be in charge, if all the guys want to say, screw all the women, doesn't matter, you're you're encouraged to do so by the format of this, by it just being a totally no-holds-barred. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that would have changed everything. So I wish they would have done that. I think we would have seen another championship from Rachel, too, if that would have been there. So I I think that that would have changed a lot. Yeah. I feel like that's one, too, where they they could have so easily stepped in, like, partway through after the first first two... Somehow, of all the shady shit all the boys in the house pull off this season, somehow the first face-off, they put three guys or two guys in Tanya in, knowingly that, like, hey, we want to send Tanya home. 
which is the only reason where they're even considering trying to put a female into the face off. And then the second one around, they convince everyone, no, 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 we should do, we should start a trend, but we should start it by doing an all male face off again. And then I promise we'll do a female one later. And I feel like there was a easy chance for production to step in and be like TJ, just be like, all right, twist so far, five guys have been in a face off. So now this one is all women or two women and one guy or whatever. Like they could have, you know, put their hand on the steering wheel, so to speak a little bit during it. And they didn't Johnny, Kenny and Derek, you know, those three wouldn't have been able to stay together if they made this a like even split male to female, which I think would have helped a lot would have helped force Derek to kind of like he at times this season is the one person who's like, maybe I should not associate with this crew over here, but he would have been forced to do that. Evelyn would have become in super high demand. So I don't think she would have been treated anyway or near how she was treated. If it was just simply everyone being like, we want you on our boat one way or the other. And we have to have a woman, Kellyanne, same thing. I think she becomes in demand. If this is a, like, it has to be two and two at the end. I think Dunbar, Jen, Ryan, Dan, who are some of the folks on this season who are just kind of like go along for the ride. They no longer have any reason to, you know, help a Johnny and Kenny if there's like an actual structure of the season to the season. So I think that would have made a huge, huge difference. Let's talk about some of the specifics, starting with just saying Evelyn and Kellyanne are amazing and absolute saints. And I feel horrible that they went through what they went through on this season. I think Evelyn deserved to get to swing the uh, take one swing, at least with the the kaleidoscope that she walked around with as a baseball bat from time to time. I really loved all those moments that she did that, but they, they bear the brunt of, of this. Everyone, everyone on the season has gets a little from time to time, not even always just from Johnny or Johnny and Kenny, but Evelyn and Kellyanne are really the ones that it's, it's from the start all out like really for no reason i don't remember where they would have the dislike started prior to the season but it's johnny has a big big problem with evelyn and kellyanne okay well i have a theory it's Mm -hmm. literally a theory so johnny hates evelyn because he knows that evelyn is a better competitor than him and johnny hates kellyanne because she won't fuck him the second part of that i can totally see that that would track with young, dumb male ego of I'm attracted to this attractive person. The moment that's not reciprocated. Now I hate this person that, that, that seems like a very common that tracks really, really well. I can buy totally buy into that. The competitor one for Ellie and that there for Evelyn, that's, that's very funny. It also can definitely see that being true of like, I'm the alpha male here, except Evelyn's out here kind of being the alpha male here. So Johnny, Johnny who went home first on his first season, doesn't mm-hmm. like a woman that isn't going home first and all of that stuff. That's just my theory, but I definitely think the Kellyanne theory is for sure true. Yeah, that makes too much sense. And we're, I'm not going to, it, it does not deserve to all be repeated. So I'm not about to like play a, you know, there's a pretty horrific montage out there of just like, here's the like 20 unbelievably horrible things <laughs> that Johnny said to these two women at some point on this season. We obviously don't, that doesn't, it sucks that that ever saw the light of day. We're not going to do it again, 
It's it's relentless. It's bad. And Johnny does get, you know, obviously he gets a hundred percent fault for his actions on this season. There's no, there's no blame that is not just purely him and for, you know, his treatment, whatever, you know, how he, his personality, what, what was going on with him at this time in his life, hundred percent fault goes to him. Same for Kenny, same for everyone else who does or says nasty, horrible things on this season or any season of the show or any season of reality TV for that matter. There are though some things that I think are somewhat interesting to discuss that could have maybe changed the outcome of this or kind of some enabling factors. It feels like Johnny and Johnny and Kenny together as kind of an alliance were enabled in a big way. Obviously they were, you know, had the personalities and the thoughts and all of that, that, you know, this was, this was going to be how they acted, but they were a bit enabled in it going from like, you know, zero to a hundred really quick. As far as like these actions getting out there and continuing over and over the first one, do you think if Johanna and Paula would have ditched them like right at the beginning, maybe they would have had to look in the mirror a little bit more because it feels like that they kind of always felt a little bit protected by the fact that like whenever they did one of these horrible things or said one of these horrible things, the two of them guys would go back and talk with Johanna and Paula and would like kind of use like, what do you mean? We're like are mean to all the women. Like we are alliances for people and it's, you know, us two and them two. Like, what do you mean? I kind of feel like it's obviously an incredibly hard spot for Johanna and Paula who were, you know, rightfully being selfish and like, we might get to the end of the game with the key just because of everything they're doing. But I feel like if they right at the beginning are like, we're not associating with this, like we're going on the other side, things change in a big, big way. They definitely- or at least is one of the things that could have changed. Well, here's the thing. They picked Johanna and Paula for a reason. They're not picking a Jen. They're not picking a Rachel. So yes, that might've changed something, but they picked these women for a reason because they were never, ever going to do that. Yeah. And, and obviously the Johanna Kenny relationship, which we'll touch on the romantic element briefly later, but the, that one was always, you know, is an interesting, fascinating, like how did that come to be given the previous seasons they'd been on and the dynamic between her former fiance and him. But Paula and Johnny obviously makes sense, you know, good friends from being on the real world together and kind of knowing, knowing how he is and who he is at this time and everything. And that all makes sense. The big, the big one that I think could have changed things and is Abram leaving. And I know this may sound a little crazy <laughs> to say about him specifically. We'll talk about in a moment, the biggest storyline season might be the fact that he does have to leave the game. And we'll talk about that and its implications in a minute, but it may sound crazy to say, but I feel like if Abram would have stayed on this season, even if it was like he stayed and Johnny's still there the whole time, I think he's the one male on this cast that wouldn't have stood by the whole time and let some of this shit happen and would have either confronted Johnny or simply been the one that was like, Hey, we, we obviously have more people. If everyone hates this guy, if everyone like thinks this guy's a piece of shit, why don't we just like send this guy home and would have had the, you know, the standing as kind of one of the, the only like real, he and Rachel are the only two in this cast that are like the long-term veterans that could have maybe done that. Do you agree with that? Or do you think I'm absolutely nuts to say Abram's the one who would have stood up against this stuff? 
So I actually do agree with that. And I think if Dan Walsh had been in, not been having the mental health issues that he was having, he would have also been part of that. So obviously like we're talking about season 16, Abram, we're not talking about current Abram or Abram with Cara Maria. Mm -hmm. One thing i will say about abram he fucking hates johnny bananas and he hates yeah. how Jan- johnny treats people he doesn't even call him johnny bananas he calls him john he's always called him john and so i think abram not leaving would have changed everything and it's interesting to think about if abram and rachel had stayed to the end what even the legacy of johnny bananas would have been because yeah, Abram, yeah. I don't think if Abram would have stayed, there ain't no fucking way that Johnny would have stayed, obviously, because yeah. of the vote between them. But how sad is it that there's somebody saying, please send me home and you still get votes like that's sad for Johnny. And I truly think that was the moment where it switched in his head. He's like, oh, I'm a villain now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And. We're about to expound upon that here in one moment, because that is, I know you have a a larger thought on that, where you're headed there. And I agree with of what could have been for the show. Before we get to it, the final thought on just kind of all the negative stuff that went down and all the horrible things that were said. I mentioned earlier the like list of, you know, the Corals, Veronica, Katie, Tina, and others that maybe helped stave off some of this stuff from getting as big of a as big of an ordeal as it was in the past if you could add one of them any one of them to this cast to be the one that gets to be put him in his place and you know call out or just you know they're all great at just yelling in people's faces when they deserve it if you could add one of coral veronica katie or tina to this cast which one are you veronica simply because rachel's there No, actually, I don't want that because I want the Rachel-Jen hookup to still happen. I'm going to bring... Oh, that's a good question. I think I'm going to bring Coral because Coral will fuck Kenny up too because she hates Kenny. So I think she'll go, she'll get Bananas and Kenny. So I'm going to pick Coral. Yeah, for sure. What about you? I think she's she's the obvious number one choice, as we said before. She... She has the the sterling resume of being the one in the house that isn't going to let the bullshit slide at any point. My only worry with her or really with her or Tina, who is my second choice, is I would have loved to know what Tina would have said or done in this circumstance. But I'm also concerned that both of them would have shown up and TJ would have said, you're living on that beach. And they both would have been like, no, we're not. We're going to stay on this boat. We're not, we're not competing because TJ, we've done too many of these. You, you ain't pulling this on us. We're, we're out of here. And they wouldn't have actually even made it to the, to the I beach. I feel like Tina would do that. I'm going to text her right now and be like, if you were on the Island, would you have stayed? We'll see. What Someone should have, that would have been, I am with TJ's thoughts on quitters in this show, but the one time I would have been like, that's amazing. And I'm so happy someone did it as if someone would have been on that boat and been like, no, TJ, like I'm done right here. I am not getting in that water. I am not going to that beach. That's bullshit. I'll see you next season. Please invite me back. That would have been amazing. So we've covered, all right, we've covered 
kind of the gross stuff there. Let's move on to the actual, the biggest actual game related storylines from this season, which means we're going to start right where you began alluding to moments ago, because I know you've, you've already started to share the opinion or you flirted with sharing the opinion. And I know you've got a strong opinion on it. So let's hear it and hash it out. Abram gets a phone call. It's in the second episode. They all get like, they get, they claim that there's only 10 minutes of battery life on the phone every time a phone shows up, which seems insane, but it does seem like they literally all call someone and say, hey, it's me. Yeah, I'm there. I'm on an island. I literally can't talk. Goodbye. So maybe they really do, but they all get to have like a 30-second phone call, essentially. Abram gets his. He has a construction company at the time. There's a big project. He gets some vague details of this is all going to shit. The company might not exist when you get back. We need you. And he decides he's going to go home. He goes into, he doesn't just quit. He goes into the face-off in hopes of, I guess, in hopes of getting a second key because he already has one. I forget exactly his reasoning. But essentially, he doesn't want to be a quitter. He would like to go out the you know honorable way, quote-unquote. So he loses the face-off. It's him versus Johnny. Vote to be eliminated. And he pleads with the entire cast and tells them, you know, this is the coolest place in the world. This was challenge was made for me, but I have to go home. I have responsibilities. I need to be there. I want you to send me home. And as you mentioned before, it still gets to out of 15 people voting. It still gets to six to six there. Johnny is sweating this vote out there. The first six out of the first 12 are like, Nope, we don't care. Abram, you can quit on your own volition. We're sending this asshole home eventually the last couple people give Abram his wish, send him home. Johnny gets to stay. He avoids being eliminated. Your, your thoughts and theories on the what if of this entire moment. Well, I do have a little bit of bias because I have talked to Rachel Robinson about this, but truly if Johnny bananas had gone home, I think that Abram would have won the season I don't think that Abram's legacy would have been changed at all. Whether, oh shit, sorry. That was Tina. Oh, Tina What did she say? She said, fuck this, I'm out. I'm not doing (laughs) it. Amazing. (laughs) Damn it, now I wanted, oh. Now even more, I wish she was there for so many more reasons now. I'm obsessed with her, yeah. So, (laughs) she's gonna text again, so it's gonna have that noise again. Cause she's on my like preferred list, so. Oh, good. Any, any interruption from Tina is well, well worth being interrupted for. So I think that I don't think Abram's legacy would have changed at all. Regardless, like honestly, honestly at all. But I think Johnny, if he would have gone home and he would have been humbled, I think he would have maybe come back to, I think the season after this is the ruins. I think the ruins outcome is different because if Johnny goes home, then Kenny goes home. I think it's a whole dominant domino effect. If Abram's going to the end, he's not bringing Kenny with him. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more that a- there's no chance in hell that Abram isn't one of the four winners of this season if he doesn't go home in this moment. He's literally made for this, you know, right before this entire moment of him going home happens, we get the... Abram is making fishing traps out in the river. He's climbing a tree to get some fruit and gets stung by like a thousand wasps, which is 
an insane moment. He like literally like a hundred stings. His entire body is covered in boils. That's all crazy. And he just shakes it off. Cause he's like, ah, oh, this is still the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Like, I love yeah. it. So he's made for it. He has everyone there likes him. And he is along with Rachel, the two kind of true, like veterans of the veterans and just, there's no way in hell everyone there isn't like, I want to be on a boat with him at the end. He wins no matter what, who he wins with, you know, is would have been up for debate a little bit. It definitely, I think a Rachel, a Dan and some others might've benefited from being the kind of obvious alliance with him, but he, he wins hands down. Uh, I think it changed. Say too. So before I knew what we know now about mm-hmm. Abram, I did interview him and he loved the island so much. He said that he would have done that shit for free. So he was thriving. Also, Tina said, this is her whole paragraph. Said, I would say, fuck this, I'm out. And she said, they know I hate that shit. And then she said, but I don't know. I'm kind of like, well, shit, I'm here now. So let's just ride this out. And I know I could make it to the final. So I would have been a miserable time. And I can't defiantly say, but it sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> so I feel like she would have stayed and complained the whole time. Which would have been great. Yeah. I'm here for Tina complaining. I'm very entertained by Tina complaining. <laughs> I, it's so weird to like say like Abram would have been respectful to women. Like that's such a weird thing to say. But I've also heard from, you know, many people that Johnny was the most horrible person in the world to live with. Like he made it basically like torture because of how he was yeah and the i mean we see some of what i assume the parts of that other than just like what he's saying to people but like the how he demands to be the cook at all times like he is in charge of the food and essentially like in charge of their camp or like self-appointed in charge and like you know if anyone tries to do anything about it it just causes a massive argument and so by default they're kind of like i don't want to deal with that so i'll let you do this and abram is definitely the one that had was the clear cut, like, yeah, that person should be the kind of like provider role the way on survivor. There's always the clear, obvious, like, oh, you're an actual like outdoorsman who knows what the hell you're doing. You should be the kind of leader, the provider and whatnot. If Abram's there, he's immediately like, Johnny, you don't get to cook every meal. You don't get to dole out the food. You don't know, like none of none of this is going to fly as, as for what happens if, I think you're correct on, you know, Abram's legacy, more or less the same. And even just in like standing in at what a competitor he was or whatever, adding one win, you know, doesn't necessarily maybe change where he ranks in, you know, the best competitor type of ranking, removing outside of the game factors from it. But on the banana side, I think it does change. It definitely would have changed him his personality how he approached the seasons how he thought of him his character within the seasons like you had said but i also wondered like i don't know if he gets invited back at least right away they were in need of casts you know at that time with the road rules being gone and with a lot of the older folks kind of going by the wayside but even though this was his third third time being cast yeah third season being cast or third or fourth I don't know if he goes home second again if like he wasn't that impactful really on his previous three seasons he went home first on the duel 
he makes it to the end on the Inferno 2, but he isn't like one of the main characters of that season. And then he goes home very early on the Gauntlet 3, and he's only really a kind of impactful character on that season is because they keep replaying the one clip of him being like, you guys should get rid of Easy, not me, because he's going to cost you in the final. And then when that happens, they like show that clip over and over. But otherwise, he's not really an impact character in his first three seasons, and he wouldn't have been here. And I think there's a world where he goes home here and we never have a anywhere near a seven-time champion or like a six-time champion. Like, I don't think the next, you know, whatever, 15 seasons he does, I don't think he's doing 15 more seasons or being asked to. I don't think he's certainly not winning all as many of them because so many different things change. I think this is kind of like the biggest sliding doors moment in challenge history of like the guy who now we know is one, you know, is done is about to do his 21st season is one seven of them is, you know, it's completely possibly derailed in this one single moment of just pure luck from him. Also, I think if he goes home, Kenny goes home after. And I think if Kenny goes home quickly on the Island, everything's different on the ruins because I think that, Kenny and Johnny's shitty ass, misogynistic, horrible behavior, abusive behavior was rewarded. And Mm -hmm. so it escalated on the ruins. And it's possible that that situation could have been completely avoided had had that all happened. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Because yeah, it's again, it's back to that that word enabling of like that these actions are 100% their fault, but when it is rewarded and encouraged and when it's like, yeah, the, at the end of the day, you won that season, you won that money. And then they invited you back. What do you, what do you expect that they're going to do? But lean in more into that. They were just, you know, they just got that gratification or that, you know, the, the, you know, just the almost pat on the back of like, that's fine. That worked out last time. Why would you not, if it worked out, why would you not do it again? And especially this is 2008, which is the the other thing I never mentioned at the beginning that is worth pointing out. 2008, Facebook is a thing, but is not like a thing yet. Twitter has not even been created. I think it's start, Twitter starts in 2008. So social media we're in like infancy, like MySpace exists. I imagine, I don't remember, but I imagine all of these folks were huge on MySpace and I can imagine see Johnny's profile with Kenny and his like top friends or whatever. <laughs> but, but social media is like, we're just before, like if this season happens two two seasons later, which actually I was pretty almost shocked recently, Bananas on his podcast, I believe it was when he was talking to Tyson. He almost never references this season. He usually, he does often reference like, my dark days or like when I was a real piece of shit, but like just in like a sidebar, but to Tyson, he said specifically, he used the word that he said the Island. He's like, well, let me tell you, buddy, there was this season called the Island. And if social media would have existed back then, I would have been canceled. You wouldn't be talking to me right now, paraphrasing slightly, but that was almost the direct quote. And I was like, kind of shocked that he said it himself, like said it that bluntly, but it's also true. Like the fact that this took place in 2008 and not even like 2010 or 11, even when social media is still nowhere near what it is today. I think their attitudes, whether they would have wanted to make that change or growth or anything in their life or just faked it, 
they would have gotten the feedback from the audience the way that they couldn't in this moment get the feedback. So their only feedback was we won and it worked and they invited us back. So let's do the same thing again. I'm sorry. Does Johnny Bananas think that he's a changed person based on that? I'm wondering because although he has grown up, I don't think his mentality has changed that much because he still treats women that he allegedly loves and it is in long-term relationships with like shit so i think he got better at covering up who he is but i think that's who he is in a lot of ways i don't maybe he's not abusive in that way anymore because like that's you know some frat boy shit but i the way he hasn't been canceled just in general still blows my mind but that's interesting that he that he said that and admitted that and knows that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I anyone who's listened to this podcast knows for for worse, not even for better, for worse, for worse. I I am a a bit of a a bananas apologist at times, mostly because I end up backed into a corner of being one because I am a if we remove personalities or whatnot, or even if we keep them in, I'm a staunch, like bananas is better than CT at this show. And that, that turns me into like, now I'm bananas biggest defender because of that specific argument. And that doesn't bring all this other stuff we're talking about now into it, that those are separate things to me, but it turns me into like, I'm his biggest defender. I, I would mostly agree with everything you said. I, I do think he, is a much different person now and is a mutt is I would call him a like a good a mostly good person now and I think yes and clearly we have direct evidence in relationships he doesn't he doesn't do relationships the way the right way certainly not the way that I I would I would personally say is the appropriate way to treat your partners and to treat your your relationships but I think from the standpoint of like like the things he says on this season are like, I would be I'm totally comfortable calling like verbal abuse of, of yeah. others. Like it is, I don't and I don't think like that, that he wouldn't just both wouldn't do that. And also I don't think thinks the same way of like superiority or like true, like definition of misogyny of like, I think I'm better than you just because I'm the male in this circumstance and you're the female. I don't, I feel like we've seen that that maybe isn't the case, but that clearly the relationship issues and then the one-on-one -on -one is, is its own thing. And we know, we know I, enough about those situations to know that there's still a lot of not good things going on. Um, yeah. but we don't, you know, I we agree. Don't know I don't anything. think he's, he's like calling people stupid bitches or anything like that. I'd actually be interested to see how he treats Cara Maria if they're actually on a season together. Cause I would argue that he was pretty verbally abusive to her at times too, but yeah, I, I'm definitely not a bananas apologist. However, take out what I know about him outside the show. The man is good for the show that we love and he's good at the show and all of that. So I'm not one of those people that's like, like, I have to take my bias out of it if I'm going to cover it accurately. So I think that Johnny Bananas is good for the show and I understand why people love him so much. But I look at it the same way as CT. I'm a CT apologist. But I also cannot sit here and be like, he has always been great. He's so great. No, he was a piece of shit. And even when he was with DM at sometimes he was a piece of shit. So 
you know, yeah. it's one of those things, but he was very verbally abusive to women. And I, I would like to think that he's not that way anymore. I think he's still a little misogynistic and I, I don't think that he has a high moral code, but I don't think that he's abusive anymore. At least I hope he's yeah. not, you know, certainly, certainly, certainly we can hope. And maybe, maybe one day he, you know, obviously he's still like essentially the face of the show and you know he has his own pod and everything but i i I was shocked when he even alluded to something like this season so i doubt i kind of doubt that we'd ever get anyone to get him to you know talk openly about his thoughts and feelings looking back on all this but maybe maybe one day one of us can pull it off who knows because i would i would be interesting in hearing you know hearing where where he's gone or what what if any you know journey he went on or you know what he what he thinks of looking back on all of this we'll move on from him kind of the next the the next thing to talk about so if the biggest really the biggest plot point storyline of the show season was abram going home johnny staying and that resulting in you know johnny and his crew eventually winning his crew eventually includes evelyn somehow some way by the end of this season his crew involves evelyn evelyn has an incredible heel turn this season. Her and her visor made a deal with the devil. <sighs> her and her visor. Oh my God, her visor is the best. A quick run through, just to summarize what, what goes down for Evelyn this season. She's treated like shit the whole time. That's running, running the whole time. We've covered that. She, at the beginning of the game, she is completely blocked from going into any face-off. Not just by Johnny and Kenny who are working against her, but by everyone. The women in the house are like, nope. She's not going in. When we put women in, she's not going in. She eventually has to plead to go in against two men. She does. She gets in. She wins. She has an offer on the table at that point, but from Johnny and Kenny, of course, to work with them now that she could steal their key. She denies it in epic fashion, a speech which we will be playing later when we talk about the best moments of the season because it hands down is steals Johnny's key from him isn't able at that point to rally the fam at the house against the quote unquote family as the Alliance was calling themselves. So Johnny gets another, an easy win, takes his key back from Evelyn. Then with a stroke of luck, the end of the season, when it all looks like she's never going to get a chance, TJ says, everyone that doesn't have a key gets to do the last face off. She wins. And this time she accepts the offer from Johnny and Kenny and in a stunning move steals Dunbar, your guy Dunbar's key. <laughs> and joins Johnny, Kenny, and Derek on a super team boat, complete heel turn, completely leaves everyone she stood up for all season long in the dust and just says, screw it, I'll win, we're here, I'll get on the boat with you. And even on rewatch, I am shocked how it unfolds. Even obviously remembering that this happens, knowing it's about to happen as the episode, we get to episode eight and it's about to happen. I am still shocked rewatching this. Can you believe that after everything she has put through this season, she does this at the end of it? Yeah, this lady <laughs> wants to win. And to be honest, I don't really think she has too many loyalties to the girls either. Like, I think that she likes Paula and she likes Ryan and she likes Jen, but she... And Rob Robin's the other one that goes mm. on the board, right? Yeah. Yes, I think yeah. she likes all of them, but I don't think they're her friends necessarily. I don't think she has too many loyalties. She wouldn't have done something like this to like Kellyanne or Rachel, I don't think, but she 
I don't, I think the, the will to win was bigger than anything with her. And she really had to put her visor where her heart was. And <laughs> just she had to make a deal with the devil and she knew what she was doing. And, you know, obviously you'll do this soon. I think you kind of see on rivals or rivals. I think you kind of see on the ruins that she like is like I'm not doing this shit ever again. I'm not compromising my morals or my integrity ever again. So yeah, she I just quits. In- She's like, I can't be on a team with these guys. I just she lets yeah. Kellyanne win the first elimination. She's like, I'm out. This exactly. So I think that she had a change of heart, but she did make a deal with the devil. Now I think if it was like Johnny Kenny Dunbar instead of Johnny Kenny. Derek, I don't know if she would have done it. I think Derek was the only redeeming quality in that group. And maybe she was like, I don't mind helping Derek win too. Yeah. And I, I think it was, I fully stand by the fact that she does it because the thing that has to be remembered is, you know, it's easy to just on its face, be like, these guys treated you like that all season long. And then you like, flipped around and helped them win. But in the middle of the season, she does in epic fashion, as we said, and we will play it a little bit later on, completely read them the riot act and try to take them down. And is the only one that ever goes against them. And she completely does the, the walks, the path of no, fuck these guys. Like, fuck this. I am not joining up with you guys. And then that ultimately doesn't totally work out because she loses her key And if in the last moment when she wins and she gets to steal that final key, Kellyanne is already out. There's no way Kellyanne can get on a boat. And I think if Kellyanne like had a key in that instance, and it was like, I can either steal Johnny or Dunbar's, but like, I'm either going to not be on a boat. I'm either going to be on a boat with Kellyanne, my one good friend here, or I'm going to go against her. I don't think she, she does that. I think she gets in the boat with Kellyanne and just gives it a shot. But because she had already went against them and made the big speech. She had already stood up for herself in that way. And because it was basically either in that moment, those, those guys are going to win. It's whether I win too. And after the season I've had, I can totally see her in her head being like, this is bullshit that they're going to win. And I'm not going to, at least this way I win too. And as you said, then she obviously never, the decision never sits right with her by what she does the next season. She's on, on the ruins. But I think I stand by it. I think it's great. I don't think there's any other way for in that moment for her to have won other than getting on the boat with those three. I find it hard to hard to believe that I guess well, I, she could have taken Johnny's key, but then I still feel like Kenny, Derek, I feel like Dunbar would have not had the backbone to then be like, yeah, I'll be on a boat with you, Ev. Like, nah. He would have been with Kenny and Derek and they would have taken probably then been like, sorry, Paula, Johanna, Robin, you know how to sail Robin, get on over here. Like they would have kind of ended up with the best boat still and probably won. So I think it was their only way to win. And while it was shocking, I, I think it totally makes sense how it happened and why it happened. For sure. I, I hate Dunbar now because of stuff that Kellyanne told me. However, I know you, I know it's on our list, but Dunbar helping them build the boat, even after he was eliminated, maybe that's why I fell in love with him a little bit. That we'll just talk about this now. How does, I'm shocked that the team that won, won, even given the fact that the four of them are, you know, the athletes and whatever they are, the paddling part, but 
they so she she makes Evelyn makes this decision. She joins the three guys, screws over Paula in the process. But Paula then gets to pick which boat they take. And one of the boats they have actively been building the whole time. And the other one they have not even started building. So Paula and the other women, Robin and Jen and whoever else is on the boat in the end that I don't even Ryan and Ryan, they get to start working on the boat. That's like half constructed. And then Dunbar, who seems to know a little bit about building a boat starts to help them. Dan starts to help them at some point. And yet, And Robin, like, knows how to sail and stuff. And they don't even come close to finishing their boat in the time the other four build their boat and sail it. I I was pretty shocked, but I I also, I liked, of the many format things they chose, I liked that the other people were still there and that there was no rule about them not helping. Because you're right, it definitely is a redeeming moment for Dunbar and Dan eventually that they're like, nah, you know what? Fuck those guys. Like, we'll help you. We'll give it a shot. And it didn't doesn't work out but we'll give it a try yeah i i would just like to say something about dan too so obviously we saw dan being like a drunk ass mess all season he has told me a million times and he said this publicly too that everything we saw was the best of what he did and productions saved him by not showing everything else and then literally when he got back from the island he kind of had to go into like a hold to work on you know his ptsd and all of that so it's almost like the island kind of made dan get sober faster than he was ready to but dan's just like the best guy in the world so shout out to dan walsh but so the island's redeeming quality is it helped dan get sober yes and that's that's and worth shouting out for sure. Production could have fucked him over and they didn't. So shout out to production. I don't think I've ever said that shit before. <laughs> we do <laughs> tend to talk about all the mistakes and not notice that that does leave a lot of room where they're doing some good stuff. And yeah, that's that's really I did not know that. That's really nice to hear too that especially given this season with the other things that are going on where they chose to not not try to edit around any of that or what, which, you know, could be argued both ways, whether they should or shouldn't, you know, when people are being horrible to others, like, what do you show? What do you not show? What should you shine a light on? What should you not? It's a, that's complicated, but it's very good. I like hearing that they chose to like, this is obviously a thing that's going on day in and day out with him where we have to show it. It's a part of what's happening here, but we can choose to show as best version of it as we could. That's, that's encouraging. And since we already brought up Dan, let's just move to talking about he and Robin on this season because somehow out of out of nowhere, there is a surprising amount of romance on this season. Given the fact they're stranded on an island, likely absolutely filthy, covered in bugs at all times. Three romances, real romances, spark up here. Let's go one by one quick here and just give a kind of like ship them or not ship them or any general thoughts on them. And we'll start with Dan and Robin, since we're talking about Dan, Dan and Robin on this season, were you into it? Not into it. Any thoughts on Dan and Robin? So into it would have loved to, would have loved to be their third. Now I will, Dan told me that he kind of had a little bit of a situationship at home And Mm. so when that aired, the situation ship ended, but I love it. I ship it. I stand it. Hell yeah. Go Dan, go Robin. They, 
their connection on this season is of all the different storylines is the most one of the most interesting to me and also like definitely like the most heartwarming or like fun and beautiful of you know they talk very openly about like they're like we're the two weirdos we both like clearly have some stuff going on in our head and no one else knows how to aid us with that how to be around us with that but when we come together and it's just one-on-one we we get each other we understand how to kind of calm each other down or help each other with the insecurities or the things we're working through i think their their relationship's really 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 interesting and beautiful on this show and i'm glad as you just spoke to you know that dan has got got the help he needed afterwards or you know has worked through some of the things he was going through and plug for challenge mania laugh chicago in november i think there's a few tickets left i've mentioned on the last couple pods but Going to get to watch Dan do some stand-up comedy live here in Chicago. So shout out to Scott and Derek and Challenge Mania. If you're in the Chicago area, want to hear Dan Walsh and others do some comedy, come on through. So their relationship is great. Shout out and, you know, thoughts and everything to Robin, who at last check, you know, right now is going going through some times and uh, we get occasional updates from other other vets and OGs, but a shout out to her always was great on the show and certainly on this season. Second relationship then, we'll, we'll sandwich the one I'm going to guess we're both a little more sour on around the two that we probably both like. Johanna and Kenny, very memorable for, you know, the over the over multi-season storylines of this show. Whether we like them or not, one of the best makeouts in show history that just completely contrived rolling around on the beach thoughts on Johanna and Kenny. Uh, disgusting. <laughs> Actually disgusting of well, it, great television, that beach makeout disgusting in, in actuality, that couldn't have been all that enjoyable regardless of the people you're doing it with, like the rolling around on the beach, the bugs, the, you know, they don't both fit under the bug net in the, in the little treehouse hut when they're, laying together yeah it just doesn't doesn't seem like an ideal place for this no and i mean they're hot people so it's nice to see hot people make out but i think i think they're both the dumbest people ever so i'm glad that they did not procreate at least during this time i i'm sure that kenny i mean johanna's obviously very intelligent now she's doing so many things and and kenny as as well even though fuck kenny but for real like he is he has a successful business whatever all that stuff so they're obviously intelligent people but like at however old they were 23 they were the dumbest human beings ever yeah probably not ready to be parents then good good job on them for many reasons not johnny johnny handed them that condom and the coconut maybe that really really helped everyone everyone out for the better i will say on the johanna front because i haven't fully copped to it on previous ones so being my real world era, my like, you know, peak real world because of my age or whatever was Philadelphia, Austin, Key West and Johanna. I couldn't have been more in love with Johanna as a whatever, 15 year old, 16 year old, whatever I was around I the time of Austin and then this. And so I, I always was just unbelievably jealous every time you know first her and Wes I was like come on what are you doing what are you doing you're supposed to stay single I'm only like four years younger than you what are you doing and then on this season like wait you and Wes aren't getting married yes we've got a we've got a shot again and then what what are you doing what literally what are you doing here so shout she out Johanna some, 
she has like some little connection to Kate Middleton somehow. I can't even remember what it is right now. A lot of people have said it, but yeah, I don't know. I, she never did it for me, but Melinda, Melinda from Austin. Uh, they were both my first ever TV crushes simultaneously, but then I was way more into West than Danny, and that slid my like. If I had to pick between Johanna and Melinda, I was like, I'm going with Johanna because I I can't I can't I can't agree with either of their decisions in that moment necessarily, but I I disagreed more with Melinda's. So I I was definitely though crushing on both of them, circa 15 year old Jacob being super into real world Austin. Last relationship then, referenced before, Rachel and Jen. Definitely the one of these three that came a little more out of nowhere. Your thoughts in ship or not ship Rachel and Jen on the island? Ship at the time, but as Coral said about Brooke and Evelyn, is she even a real lesbian? (laughs) And I feel like, as we know about Jen now, she is very anti-LGBTQ+, all of that. She is active in the hate community, as I like to call it. So we might need to get some clips of her and Rachel on the island and send those to some of these organizations that she holds near and dear to her homophobic heart. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty wild rewatching this and being like, yeah, the idea of these two in a relationship now is literally is so, so in such opposition, but In the moment, I I was definitely into it. I was like, this is so cool. This is so fun. Like, great for both of them. Loved, at the time, loved both of them. Still love Rachel dearly to this day. I would, I know this is a very controversial opinion. I would be thrilled to have Jen go on All Stars. I know that she's never going to get casted because of, of, of many of those views, but she used to be very good at this show, and I would be interested in just knowing what would happen if you put modern day present day Jen in an all-stars house what what would happen what what the interactions would be I think and- she would be great if you if she like if she didn't have those horrible takes on life I think she would be great she's like really into CrossFit and all of that so yeah yeah I think she could compete I, I actually for the specific purpose of all of those opinions I think it would be kind of fascinating if they actually were like we're gonna let one person in like that because they're pretty hardcore on the not i mean she's on the pretty extreme end but they're politically there's a clear you can or can't be on this show which you know is a debate for another day and she's you know pretty far far off she's not anywhere near the cut line she's pretty far away from it but it'd be interesting if they threw her in so Those are the relationships, Evelyn's heel turn, you know, the big alliance. We really covered that final storyline thing quick, and then we'll hand out a couple awards. The format itself, just quick thoughts on, we, we said what it was at the beginning, but the three kind of elements of it that are way different than any other season before or since there's no daily challenges, which does lead to, while they're not in a house this season, they're one of the common complaints about the challenge from those that are kind of more into the show and the drama than the sport of it, is that no daily challenges means these 40-minute episodes are like 35 minutes of, you know, quote-unquote house time or like reality time. Were you into the the fact that there's no dailies? And obviously that house time doesn't lead to great stuff this season, but in other seasons, the idea of 
no daily challenges, more time to just let stuff breathe, see what happens with the people like or dislike on that. I liked it, but I don't want it all the time. Mm -hmm. I think they could just be a little quicker with the dailies at times. Yeah. Then on the, the face-offs do two part question. Do the face-offs, are these count, should they count as eliminations? When we say someone's elimination record, are these, are these eliminations? And do we like the three person setup? I think like one winner, two losers, but what you have a chance to not be the loser, loser, the secondary voting aspect. I think the face-offs are dailies. You think they should count as dailies and just only the people that compete, like competed in, or, you know, get that from a stat standpoint. Interesting. I'm going to have to do a poll of this. I've, I've asked challenge stance, stat challenge stands, challenge stats before I forget what they told me. Cause when I was doing the stats, as I watched the season, I was like, shit, I need to go to the expert on this. I would, I'm going to do a, I'm going to put a poll out there on the old Instagram to see what people think. Should these count as dailies eliminations or none of the above their own separate thing? Yeah. Tag me in it so I could repost it. So like our people can combine and vote. Cause I'm interested to see what the results of that are for sure. For sure. And then because I think we've had this discussion before, I have to bring it up here. I am previously, even on previous podcasts with you said that I am big on the production doesn't rig eliminations or choose eliminations based off the people. However, I did realize while watching this one that I think there is at least one time that they did it, that I'm open to saying they did it. And I think this is the season where if they were doing it, they did because of the, it can be anyone. It can be three men, three women, two and one, whatever it is. There's no way they do the three-way pole wrestle that Abram, Derek, and Johnny do if that ends up being like Abram, Derek, and like Ashley or something, right? So that I, I stand corrected in my previous stance that they've never rigged an elimination. They were very clearly waiting to see who goes in before they decided which face-off they were doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, you want to rub that in my face at all? Or are you going to let it slide that my previous stance has been exposed here? <laughs> I'm going to let it slide because I think we all have stances that like, there's like that one little incident where you're just like, okay. Like I am very much like puzzles are an equalizer. What about Sudoku puzzles? Right. Unless you don't get the fucking instructions for the puzzle or unless there's no clear timeout rules. So like I'm a fucking moron for that right now. So, well, I haven't, I haven't gotten to listen to you and Dylan recap that finale yet. Everyone I'm sure knows what we're talking about, but I can't, I can't get enough of all the different opinions it takes out there. I am so conflicted and I'm going to talk about that season one more time this next week to do like a full season wrap up. And I, I had opinions when I recorded last Wednesday night. I don't know where, where they're going to wind up by, uh, by next Wednesday, but I look forward to listening to you and Dylan, uh, your thoughts he's, on all of that. He's not a Sarah apologizer this one. So you'll love it. Nice. All right. Then, so we've covered all the storylines. Let's move into some awards. I always hand out awards. Normally this is a complete and utter dictatorship, you know, a board of one. So I'm gonna give equal votes to both of us, but I reserve the right to hold the tie-breaking vote. So this is still more or less (laughs) a committee of one, but I take your opinion very seriously. So let's run through, obviously, 
a couple of the awards we would normally give out for rewatch the best daily challenge. We don't have those because I guess I answered my own question. I'm calling the face-offs elimination is at least for awards circumstances. And uh, we're not doing best athletic performance this season because there's way less athleticism to be judged on this season. So we've got elimination, best quote, iconic moment, and then our rookie and MVP. Let's start with the best elimination or face-off. We'll just say best face-off of the season. I've got four nominees. I'll run through them quick. Paige, if for some reason one that you think is the actual winner doesn't make this nominees, you can let me know. But the four that I've got for nominees, the first one, Leaning Tower, the opening one of the season. Abram beats Kenny and Tanya. They got to go swim out, swim down, grab a peg from 20 feet down or 15 feet down in the water, bring it up, climb up a pole and put it in and do that, you know, 20 times in a row or whatever to get to the end. It's a very exciting battle between Abram and Kenny and kind of swings things early in the Abram dominating and would have been dominating if he would have stayed. Second nominee then, the second face-off, Derek, Johnny, Abram, ring wrestle, a.k.a. a version of pole wrestle, one-on-one-on-one. This is coming off the duel where pole wrestle was invented. And as far as we've had a couple in the history of the challenge, three-person pole wrestle scenarios, this is probably the best one. Abram puts up a big fight, even with Derek and Johnny working two-on-one against him, but is pretty amazing and pretty brutal. Third nominee, the rack Kellyanne outlast Robin and Rachel sitting slash squatting slash planking across two two beams sticking up in the water for as long as you can the most leaning into survivor that they went on this season survivor notorious for just the endurance who can stand on this thing the longest this was a very survivor-esque endurance challenge Kellyanne gets the win in a moment where you know Rachel ends up going home, huge for the season. Kelly Ann gets the win, which was big. She would have definitely been going home otherwise. And then the fourth nominee, Waterbound, the final one, and a, a face-off that is very dangerous <laughs> in what they had to do. I don't know that they would do something like this anymore. We're still kind of coming out of the, like, what are the safety standards era of the show, but... Five people are in it. Evelyn beats Dan Dunbar, Johanna, and Kellyanne for the last key, the last part of the game. They have to, they have their feet and hands tied together. They hold a, a, I don't know how, they're weighted in some way to, they jump in the water, they float down to the bottom about 15 feet down, and then they have to jump off of the bottom to get up, break the surface, take a gasp of air, and then float down. And it's who can do this the longest. And it's, literal torture like it's an actual torture process evelyn wins which you know leads to her heel turn and everything so four memorable face-offs did i miss any and if not which of these four do you think stands out as the best of the season you did not miss any and my vote is for the rack i don't like it's iconic nobody thought kellyanne was gonna win she lost feeling in her fingers for multiple months after this it's the rack for me. Who would have thought that Kellyanne would beat Rachel? Who would have thought that anyone would have beat Rachel in a lot of things? And especially when they see what this is, I'm like, oh, Rachel's got this, like, no problem. First off, you know, she's incredibly athletic and, you know, kind of built for something like this. But then also the the height was the big thing that right when they start, 
Kellyanne's like, I can barely reach the other one. And Rachel's over there, like casual, like I'm five inches taller than you or whatever it is and can do it so easy. I, I agree. I, I'm tempted. The ring wrestle stands out because, you know, the kind of headbanger ones in the early seasons when there's only ever like one of those always stand out a little bit, but I'm too, I'm always have to try to remove my bias towards just always picking those. And then, and it also wasn't that good because it was two on one. And then Derek kind of lets Johnny win could have, but ends up beating him. It's not a great fight. Johnny, not so good at pole wrestles. It turns out as we would learn more of later and the waterbound one is fascinating, but only because again, I think it's actual torture that they, like a torture technique they put him through, but the racks, the best, I agree. That is the winner of the best face off of the season. Kellyanne's performance in it is amazing under all the pressure. I loved all this, the commentary from the side that this one gives us to of like, who's rooting for who of, you know, Johnny and Kenny and Paula and Johanna, like sweating out, like, fuck Kellyanne's about is Kellyanne really going to win this? Like we need Rachel to win this. Kahada's all his encouragement is Kahada Hada, who we somehow haven't mentioned this whole podcast, which is a shame because he's such a breath of fresh air and a light and just doesn't, doesn't get a lot of time this season. And this season certainly could have used more Kahada, but the rack is the best one. We move to the best quote. This season sucked as far as quotes go or like wit or banter. Cause again, most of the words being exchanged were just horrible and demeaning and degrading. I came up with four nominees. The first one comes from TJ chronological order here. The first one from TJ challenges ain't for everyone. They ain't for the soft Re- referring to Dave who quits in hilarious fashion and never is seen again. I think side tangent. Do you think Dave could have been a good challenge personality if his first season wouldn't have been the Island? Cause I feel like he could have been all right on this show. Nah, Dave's a bitch. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> fair enough. Second nominee for the best quote. Then Tyree quote. I never get what I want. Beyonce hasn't come out of the box yet. This is in reference to the supply drops, never having enough food in them or any meat, which Tyree and Dunbar both are very big on we need a lot more food than everyone else and so they're not happy with the supply drops third one derek not the greatest quote but fits derek so well that i had to put it in here quote this is why we do challenges over and over and over for shit like this which comes from after the first round of the only pairs face off where (laughs) derek is just wreaking havoc he almost he nearly kills Paula. He definitely gives Paula a concussion multiple times in this face off, but he's trying to pump up his partner, Ashley in between rounds that they can do this. They can win. And then the fourth and final one, speaking of Kahuta quote, one thing that you'll get, one thing that'll get you off this Island. It's not bitching about food. It's not protein. It's not having idiotic fights with everyone. It's knowing how to build that boat and ride that boat over to that there Island to make $75,000. And obviously I will overlay Kahada actually saying that because in Kahada's voice, that sounds much fun, more fun and cooler and interesting than me reading it back. That's in reference to, again, Dunbar complaining about protein and everyone just getting pissed off at the supply drops and Kahada just being like, no, nah, this is easy. Like, this is, this is nothing. You guys must not have very hard lives. Like, this is, this is not a problem. So of those four, do any of those four stand out to you as deserving of the best quote in a season where I'm, I was tempted to not even include a best quote because I didn't think there was a good enough crop of nominees. I mean, probably 
probably TJ's quote. Like it, it is what it is about the challenge. So I think that's probably the best quote from the season. Yeah, and it feels it would feel right to over over the course of doing all of these seasons to find a way to get TJ saying something about a quitter as one of the winners of a uh, quote of the year. So with respect to Tyree, who I do think is the only one who had was any the only single instance of like actual funny wit in a confessional with the Beyonce hasn't come out of the box. I will I will agree and will give it to TJ. Now to the the biggest award, the true the award that matters the most every season, the iconic moment of the season, which is isn't necessarily the best moment of the season. It's somewhere between the best, the most memorable, the most infamous, because many of them in the past have not exactly been, you know, the most cheery, heartwarming moments, but the most iconic moment, the moment that if and when I eventually do a greatest moments in challenge history bracket, because the one the official challenge account did was such a sham a few months back. When I do that bracket, the moments that are actually going to be able to find their way into a competition like that. Five nominees from this season here. You correct me if I missed any. First one, chronological order, Johanna and Kenny's beach hookup. We just mentioned it before. Great television, not, not in love with the relationship, but that moment is very memorable and has been played a lot and obviously had repercussions down the line on future challenge seasons. Second one, Abram getting stung by all the wasps and that entire that entire moment and episode of him climbing up the tree, getting stung, his reaction to it, all of that. Third nominee, the plague of flies. There is an episode where in episode four, the middle of episode four, there just becomes an actual like plague of flies on the beach. Everyone freaks out, except everyone walks around trying to kill the flies, just acting frantic, acting silly. And then it pans over to Kahata sitting in his bug net, just being like, are y'all stupid? Like, you can just come sit, sit in here. Like, it's not, it's not that hard. That entire moment, it's kind of a small moment, but I, I adore everything about it. And also just mostly wanted to get as much Kahata mixed in as possible. The fourth moment then, Evelyn's speech to steal Johnny's key, which I am going to play here in full because, well, the fifth nominee then, Evelyn joins the dark side, her eventual betrayal of everyone else. Paula seeing the betrayal on everyone's faces and, you know, pointing it out. That's the fifth nominee. And I guess I don't know why I didn't include on this. Obviously, Abram going home as the sixth nominee. Is there anything I'm missing from this list page before I go ahead and play what has to be the winning moment of the season? No. I don't think we have the same moment, though. What's yours, then? What's yours? I think her joining the dark side and Paula's face and her realizing that her best friends fucked her over is the most iconic moment. And the only reason I don't think it's Evelyn's speech is because she made the speech and still went to the dark side. However, That's they a good are, point. they're both so memorable. So either one that wins, I would be happy yeah you know paula's face if there was a screenshot or if this moment had to just be accompanied by you know like a screenshot or an image to like you see it and everyone knows what that moment was that is a strong argument and i like that you point out that you know she kind of negates this 
epic speech by eventually going back on it and joining them. So I see the argument. Let me listen to the speech one time and then and we'll make the final decision. All right, Evelyn, now as you know, by winning the face off today, you're gonna be taking a key from any current key holder of your choice. So uh, why don't you just do a little bit of explaining for us before you give us your decision? And uh, I'd like to know what was going through your head. It's a funny game we're playing. One minute, you think you've got it all figured out, and then there's a twist, and it blows everything you thought out of the water. There's an alliance that has pretty much dominated every decision that has been made. These people play the game with nothing but selfishness, dishonesty, and cowardice. They stomp around this island and bully all the rest of us into submitting to any decision that they'd like to make. Tonight, what I say to you guys, you, your alliance. The members of this alliance are Kenny, Johnny, Dunbar, Paula, and Johanna. And every one of us would be naive to think that we are somehow part of their plans. The truth is, they would stab any one of us in the back for the victory. Now that I'm throwing myself out there, I'm going after your captain. Johnny, I'm taking your key. If you want it back, then you can fight for it and win it back. The main part of that, that is, you know, it's all great. It's literally two minutes long, which is hilarious. No one's ever taken TJ's. So explain your decision to me, comment to heart the way Evelyn takes it to heart in this moment. But the middle of it's all that really matters. The, so fuck you, fuck all of you, and I'm coming for the captain. It's just, I no, no one's had a better monologue. No. No one's ever had a better one. There's been others that have rivaled it and equal it and deserve to be in the same top tier of challenge monologues. But the fact that she stood in front of everyone halfway through the season and got the chance to say, so fuck you, fuck all of you in your alliance, I'm coming for your captain, is, is absolutely amazing. And either way, Evelyn is a part of the best moment. I think it's only right given what she and Kellyanne were put through this season to give to give the moment of the season to the time where they got to stand up for themselves and and say fuck you to Johnny Bananas that feels like the appropriate moment of this season, but I do agree the her turning to the dark side. They both are contenders for the eventual tournament of all-time challenge iconic moments. So we'll move from there are two individual awards. The first one's pretty, I think pretty easy, but we'll see if we disagree. The rookie of the season. This season, there are six rookies. Those are Dunbar, Kellyanne, Kahuta, and Ashley, who are all from Real World Sydney, and then Dave and Dan. Dave from Real World Hollywood, Dan from Road Rules Viewers Revenge. Dan really got the short end of the stick as far as seasons he got to be a part of. First, he has to be on fucking Road Rules Viewers Revenge, and then he gets to go on the challenge, and he gets the island first. Tough, tough look for him. Of those six, who do you think deserves the Rookie of the Season award? Kelly Ann. Kelly Ann is my pick for sure. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty cut and dry. She not only performs the best of all of these people, 
she's obviously a part of the most storylines of all these people. She comes out of it looking like as good of a human in person as anyone on the season. I think that's, I don't really know that even who's, who's competing with her in that because love Kahada, but he's just really not a part of the season. Dunbar's not really, he's, he's kind of there the whole time because he has a key the whole time, but he's not really a part. Gotta be Kellyanne. Then the big award, the MVP. We, so I normally, I do some honorable mentions and then I give a top five. We, so we'll kind of go in that order of honorable mention contender and then our picks for the winner of it. And we'll see if, if we kind of mention people at different times or not. On the honorable mention list, I will say the first, the one that has to be said is Abram would have been the MVP of the season probably if he stays the whole time. Because again, like we said before, I think he would eventually won. He would have been probably a part of most of the storylines. I think he was gone a little too soon, but if he was there, you know, through two episodes, he was the MVP of the season. And then I also will say honorable mention Dan because I really like him and Jen because at the time of this show airing, I absolutely loved her. They're not really contending to win, but I feel like they deserve shout out for some of the people that are in the background that still find a way to make an impact and have some fun moments this season. Is there any honorable mentions you would want to give before talking actual contenders for this? No, maybe Robin because she kind of she really did stick it out to the end, and they the fight about fish. Remember when they got that weird ass <laughs> about fish? I do like that moment. So maybe Robin could be a honorable mention, but not a winner. Yeah, I I can't believe I didn't have her on between. Yeah, she's got the romance. She does make it to the end. She has very memorable when she wins the vote over Rachel is very memorable kind of elimination moment. And yeah, the fight over the fish, the couple different fights. Yeah. She, she should have been on that list for sure. Then let's talk actual contenders. And this is where I have to give the disclaimer to you and to everyone listening again, that folks might get canceled from being allowed on the show and banned from the show. They are not, (laughs) They're not banned from winning awards necessarily. You know, I have, Kenny has been a season MVP before because there was no other, there was no way around it on the Inferno three because that season is horrible and the only entertainment sadly did come from him. So anyone, anyone's eligible, no matter how they act on the season or not, that, you know, certainly works against you if your storyline is because you're a piece of shit. But the contenders for this season really are, you know, Paula, Bananas and Kenny for their, you know, for running the game. Derek and Kellyanne and Evelyn are really, you know, those are the people that this season's about for better and worse, a lot worse. But of those, of those six, is there anyone else really that's in your mind, like contending for the actual, the MVP doesn't necessarily mean, you know, they're not, it doesn't mean they're a great person. It's just who could this season, if without this person, this season kind of doesn't exist more or less, or, you know, is the most valuable to the story this season told. Is there anyone other than those six? I feel like those are pretty cut and dry. Like the screen time is mostly them. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Who of those then would you say is your winner or top two to three, if you had to divvy it up, but at least who who's taken home the title for you? Johnny Bananas is taking home the MVP for me. Wow. Yeah. I, listen, I get This is unexpected. Her. I did not think this was going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Explain. This should, be, this should be like your soundbite that you post is, is Paige 
saying that Johnny Bananas is the MVP of the season. He is. He completely masterminded an entire win. He masterminded an alliance. He fucked over his best friend. He he really did everything that was needed to do to win, and he became a villain. He became Johnny Bananas on this season. He became memorable he became an icon he became all of the things and he is the mvp for sure he got evelyn to go against her morals and go with him the fact that he got evelyn to come on the boat that makes him the mvp altogether wow i am a little bit shook though that is that is a factually correct argument that you have made and I can't I believe say, I will say that my second runner up is Evelyn's visor. So it was between the visor and the banana man. Yeah. What if we just gave it to the visor and not a person that, I mean, that visor should be in the future challenge hall of fame that I create the actual real world one. Yeah. The fact that I'm not the one that's going to try to argue for bananas. It, it it's correct. Obviously he is, he is the face of this season. He, forces his way into running this season and this is the launch of you know villain era bananas like you said the 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 start of him being you know this iconic character on the show i i went with evelyn for a couple reasons one one she she kicks ass she's the best competitor there on a season where being a good competitor doesn't necessarily matter as much but the fact that she has to like argue her way to even get into a face off the first time and then beats Tyree and Dan in a very cool face off that didn't get nominated, but really cool. I think they should bring that back possibly. And then has the big, you know, the big speech that we played, has that moment, has the heel turn at the end, gets the chance, wins that other face off again. And, but mostly it really just comes down to as much as I preface this with like, anyone's allowed to win this award, no matter what they did on this season or other seasons or anything. And that, you know, like Kenny's been an MVP before on that season where Kenny got the MVP, it was because that season just isolated alone. Kenny is hilarious and a great entertainer in a season devoid of a lot of either of those two things in this season. I just, (laughs) have a hard time rewarding bananas with the MVP over Evelyn because I think it's close enough that I'm going to go with the one who suffered from the verbal abuse, even if she, you know, as we talked about, goes against it at the end and joins up with it. But I like your argument. I will consider, I will continually consider it, but tentatively for the time being, I'm going to have to be the tie-breaking vote between us and I'm going to I'm going to give it to Evelyn. The last part of the argument also being as much as this is supposed to be a single season award, I do like to think of when I'm at the end of doing every season who will have won season MVPs before and I think there's a good chance that Bananas vies for some some MVPs in the future and that Evelyn will not. And I think she is someone who I would like to think of was an MVP of a challenge season at some point. So I'm going to give it to Evelyn, but I'm, I'm still in shock. I'm just rambling now because I'm still not, still not over that, that I wasn't the one on this show that said that bananas has to be the MVP, even as much as we talked about how shitty he was all season long. I know it's, 
it's painful, but I think he, I think it was Johnny Bananas. So all you people that DM me and talk shit about me on Reddit because I hate on Bananas, I just gave him a VIP, so or MVP. <laughs> so oh, we're <laughs> we the two of us and everyone in this community. We're just we're just honest brokers. We talk about the things as we see them, and we can hold multiple opinions at the same time. We can respect the game and the accomplishments, and still talk shit about the actions and the the words and things like that. So. With that, we've come to the very end here. The final thing to do, I will attach on the end of this. At, at the end of every season rewatch, I give a final grade. It is, it's a convoluted process that I go through. So I will do a solo version of it that's on the very end of this, but so that you don't have to sit here and listen to my, what probably will end up being like 10 to 15 minute <laughs> synopsis <laughs> and monologue. But let's together give our final thoughts and kind of a general rating of this season for three, three questions with it. First one, was it important for the show to have a season like this to, to, you know, for all the negatives that came with it, that we've discussed ad nauseum here, was it kind of important for the show to almost have this like growing pains type of season where they exposed finally, like really put front and center, like here's all the problems it's come to a head now. Now we can't, we have to try to do something about it. Obviously they don't do anything about it still because it really, it's a two season thing we're talking about here. The Island and the ruins kind of go hand in hand with this, which is why it's so sad that the dual two, a wonderful season full of wonderful human beings for the most part is sandwiched between them. And it pisses me off that it's like sandwiched between these two horrible seasons all the time. But was it, important for the show to like have a season like this where they're trying this random stuff. They're trying this crazy different format. They're exposing all this stuff to finally maybe reckon with or course correct eventually where the, where the show and franchise should go. No, but I think the outcome the Island had was necessary for the show. So the format who gives a shit, the outcome necessary. The outcome meaning like bananas winning specifically or Derek winning or or all of it. Yeah, just like the the complete betrayal. I think it created rival seasons, to be honest, stuff like this. Like yeah. um, so I think all that outcome, the creation of Johnny Bananas, the complete, you know, takeover that all of this stuff was, like with the alliance, it was necessary. Yeah. And it it definitely as much as it would have maybe ruined some people to have social media around at this time, this is also one of those seasons where it would have been it would have been talked about a lot and no matter what, that would have been good for the show. This was kind of the beginning of making a lot more headlines, being a little more splashy, if you will, in that kind of reality space. And you're correct to point out, it literally gives us the rivals one winners, Evelyn and Paula from this moment on this season. It gives us Paula not being on Johnny and Derek's team on cutthroat and for clearly very purposely and going against them. Your overall grade or final opinion of this season then where would you where would you kind of put this amongst all challenge seasons is it is it anywhere near the top is it in the middle is it near the bottom where where does it stand overall for you it's like in the bottom but like close to the middle if that makes sense okay like it's, yeah it's my least favorite season but i also like it doesn't thrill me mm-hmm Okay. What if uh, not to put you totally on the spot, but if you said 
what were one or two, like what is your least favorite seasons? What's at the absolute bottom for you? And what are one or two that's like at the absolute top for you? So we can get an idea of your scale. The absolute bottom for me is double agents. (laughs) (laughs) And the top is war of the Worlds one. Okay. I like both of those answers. Or if I have an old school season in the top, it's fresh meat too. Fresh meat too. Okay, good. That coming up very soon on the rewatch series. Got a guest lined up for that one too. And that season is, I recently, I, for one of my hundred takes on my hundredth episode said the fresh meat two season, because of some of the stuff that goes down on this season, the Island is the best casted season they've ever done from a casting being not just let's get the best names possible, but like, let's get a mix to like kind of create purposeful storylines. And that season is so perfectly done of like, this is going to be Kenny versus West. Evelyn's going to be in the middle and that's going to be like the general structure of the season. So I also adore that season and I look forward to talking about it soon. All right. Well, I will add my, uh, my grade and opinion on here at the end. The short version essentially is I'm, I'm, it's definitely in a similar, similar range for me, bottom third, probably for me, but it is, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about and, you know, with it, which makes it rises it kind of above some of the other bad seasons where there's some bad seasons where there's also just nothing interesting to talk about with it or interesting implications for the show. This one is, I would say if I was just going, you know, great, good, average or bad, it's like between bad and average, but is a very interesting version of that, which helps. So with that, Paige, thank you so much for being here and talking about it all with us today. I'm sure everyone at this point knows where to find you, but just in case, let us know where to find you. And then because you've got all these different shows you're covering, give us, if you can even remember them all, a quick a quick update on which shows you will be covering in the near-term future they are on most likely too. Yeah, so I am on Spotify and Apple and wherever you listen to podcasts other than YouTube. I'm not on YouTube. I just can't get behind it for myself. <laughs> so anybody that puts their shit on YouTube like you do, good for you because I can. So that's where you don't you- have to have the video, you know. I just can't do it. I okay. can't. I can't even put my finger around it. So that's where I'm available. And then on Twitter, I'm most likely pod. And then on Instagram, I'm most likely something. On Instagram, I am most likely to pod. Just keep in mind, it's T-W-O. And I'm spoiler free on all of my channels. So on TikTok, I'm pretty underscore petty X. And I'm spoiler free 100% of the time, despite one of my reviews said that I gave away a spoiler and I did not. It said I spoiled Big Brother, which I don't know how I did because it's a live finale. Anyway, of the one that you could spoil, it's it's the one that's live and that you don't know who wins versus all the others where you might have that information, but do not you keep it keep it close to the vest. That's hilarious. I always have the information, but I usually forget it too, if that makes anybody feel better. But so I will be covering the challenge documentary. I'm actually supposed to be on episode three of the documentary, my content. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. Right. So I'll be covering that and the challenge book, which is coming out in October. I'll be covering both of those things. I'm also covering the challenge 38 ride or dies 
and I will be covering this season of Amazing Race. You and I are covering Survivor together. And then I'm also covering Ink Master season 14, which people are like loving, which is great. And then I will also be covering the Kardashians because people wanted me to, not because I'm like obsessed. So those are the ones that I'm covering right now. And obviously I'm still covering Big Brother, but it's almost over. So yeah, I'm just, I am thriving. <laughs> Doing it all. And I don't know how, but I'm so glad you are because it's all so good. So everyone out there listening, go tune into all of those, whether you watch the shows or not, because I have been popping in to listen to a couple of your big brother recaps because while I still stand by, I just big as someone who adores the challenge in survivor, you would think that I would, wouldn't have such disdain for big brother, but I I've never got it. I don't think I'll ever get it. The appeal, but with the challenge CBS running right after challenge USA, whatever on CBS, I've been watched like the last five minutes of every, every Wednesday night episode all season. So I at least like have seen the people's faces. So I've popped into a couple of your big brother recaps just to like, see what's going on with this cast, do my, do my scouting for possible future members of a challenge cast. And I've been loving that without even watching the show. So even if you're not watching all these shows, people, you can listen to all of the recaps. It's great, great stuff. So with that, yeah, be on the lookout. Paige and I will be talking again soon on her feed about Survivor next week. Does The Amazing Race start next week too? Yep. They doing those at the same time? Yep, and Big Brother. Holy hell, wow, okay. <laughs> you, you're you gonna deserve a really long vacation here in about 12, 16 weeks, whenever all these shows running at the same time end, hopefully at the same, same-ish go- time. I'm going to Mexico right when they end. I'm not kidding, I already booked it, so. Nice, well, that couldn't be more deserved. So thanks <laughs> for being here, Paige. I look forward to chatting again in the future. Yes. And we'll see each other soon. Thank you so much for having me. And this was great. I can't wait to do this again. To close us out here, we've got to do our final grade for the season. Just because we're adding co-hosts in doesn't mean that I'm not going to give the official stamp, the official grade, the official placement in challenge history for this and all future seasons we cover here on the Rewatch series. So let's do it. The Island final grade. We've got a female cast, male cast, show grade, sport grade, and then the overall grade diving right on into the female cast. That would be an A minus. We've got six heavy hitters out of the 10 in this cast. Evelyn, Paula, Robin, Kellyanne, Rachel, Tanya. That is stacked. Jen and Johanna come in as solid contributors. Kali and Ashley, really the only two duds of this group. So overall, that leads to an A minus, an incredibly good female cast on this one. Not quite an all-timer, all-timer, but still really, really great, really good enough to get into that A range with the A minus. On the men's side, not so much. A solid B. Good, not great, certainly above average. Just, you know, definition of a solid B. Derek Bananas, Kenny Abram, heavy hitters, solid contributors, Ryan Dunbar, Dan Kahada, Duds, Tyree, and Dave. I can't remember if I put Tyree in solid contributors or Duds previously. He probably deserves to be in solid contributors. It just never worked out on the show for him. It's another season where it doesn't 
doesn't quite work out for him. And there, there's a version of challenge history where Tyree is an absolute heavy hitter, where Tyree is an absolute legend, where he has a lot of success on this show. It just wasn't the history that we went through. Overall, though, that's a male cast, four heavy hitters, four contributors, four, two duds. Not, you know, not anywhere near a high enough mixture there to get into the A range, but certainly plenty good. A B, complete B, round B. Show grade. Let's do sport grade first, actually. Sport grade is supposed to come next. Sport grade C minus, which is the lowest that we've ever given, tied for the lowest because basically we had to. There's no daily challenges. When you have half of the sport removed, how can the sport grade be any better than, you know, basically the worst that's ever been? And I say that knowing that the faceoffs were mostly good. They just, you know, there just wasn't a lot to go off of. And even the few faceoffs weren't that great or not that interesting or just not that competitive. Most of them, though, really, really good. We talked about the four. There could have been another fifth or sixth out of the eight that we talked about in the nominee for best faceoff slash elimination of the season. But overall, you know, the interesting part was the voting eliminations, which are not part of the sport. They're part of the show. So sport grade can't go higher than a C minus. Then on the show grade, that would be a C plus. It's, you know, there's a, we talked ad nauseum at length about all the ugliness that came from a bananas, from a Kenny, from uh, the whole group, the whole, the whole culture of the cast of this show, the whole, the whole being on that, on that island. Um, there is a lot of good though. There is, you know, the massive what if moment of, you know, what if Abram doesn't leave? There's some good romance going down. There's some alliance shenanigans going down. There's have speech and heel turn. All that's good. All that's helpful. But, uh, it just can't, it can't bring anything up higher than a C plus on the show side because so much of everything going on on the show side, even some of these other things, whether when the alliance stuff is happening, it's by, you know, verbally assaulting essentially uh, the the non-alliance members. Uh, you know, and just there's so much stuff. And as we'll just get right to the overall grade, because the point that I'm attempting to make here without making, because I want to make it for the overall grade, is this: the overall grade is also a C plus because this season there is a lot to like. There is a lot of interesting things going on. It's a very interesting season to view the challenge as a franchise through and the turning points that were made here and the changes and the direction and just everything like that. But ultimately, that ugliness that exists is pervasive enough that it dominates the story. It just kind of overwhelms everything else going on and it brings the season grade down in a big way. In a hypothetical world where there wasn't this, you know, ugly misogyny, this verbal abuse that's going on, this just mistreatment of certain cast members that's going on, I could see this season having been a B-plus season. Even with the format maybe not being the ideal format for the challenge, whatever, uh, the the idea that they just went with it, they tried something crazy and new, that the face-offs were good, that we got more time at, you know, at the house, quote-unquote, even though this wasn't a house, uh, than normal. Um, every Everything about it, that the cast was, you know, really good on one side, good on the other uh, everything about it, there's a hypothetical version of this that is a pretty solid to great season, a B-plus range season. But overall, as it stands, as it is, this is a C-plus through and through, which puts it overall uh, all-time in the bottom third of the 16 we've done so far. It does not make it the worst ever. That still belongs to Battle of the Sexes 1, which I, I don't know when or if that will be unseated as my worst-rated season. I might be being too harsh. I might have to go rewatch that one again already, but I've still got... 
however many more seasons ago before I could go back and rewatch for a second time through uh, the other one. So it's not the worst ever, but it's in that big group with Gauntlet 3, Inferno 3, Battle of the Sexes 2, Road Rules All-Stars, which is kind of an unfair C+, because it's it's an A, and it's if you're grading it on what it is, it's own different thing, but it's a different thing. So in this world, it's C+. I digress. You've listened to that pod already. It doesn't matter. It's in that bottom view bottom group i'm not going to try to figure out wh- who goes where in that until i am done with all 37 seasons but either way you cut it it's near the bottom and either way you spin it we're coming off three straight c plus seasons this c this franchise needs an uptick that's needs a new little jolt of life it's going to get it with the dual two it's going to then revert back to this what we just talked about here for another season on the ruins but that's for another pod as well so c plus that's where it stands all time in the challenge rankings thank you so much for being here sticking it all the way through to the end with myself with page thank you to page for being here make sure you are followed or subscribed so you don't miss all of the content coming your way both here on the challenge historian and again make sure if you are a survivor fan or going to watch this new season of survivor I will be covering that with Paige, but over on her uh, feed on Most Likely To, so follow there as well. Thank you so much for being here. Get ready. Buckle up. There's so much going on in the challenge world. There's going to be so much going on with this podcast. I appreciate you being here for all of it. As always, hit me up on Instagram at Challenge Historian. DMs are open. If you've got feedback about the pod, if I thought you thought one of my ideas or one of my takes in this or any pod was absolutely absurd and you want to let me know or you couldn't agree more or you just want to chat, challenge, always open. The DMs are challenge historian on instagram can't wait to chat with you all can't wait to talk with you all again later this week about challenge usa one final time and that challenge documentary so much good stuff coming thank you for being here i love you i'll talk to you soon peace